2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. It's been a couple weeks. Uh, brother Missionary Brother Harold was with us uh, on our last Sunday evening service. And uh, we return tonight to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll close out the third chapter, leaving us one chapter to go in chapter number 4. We've been preaching on the church uh, in this third chapter on the subject of the church and the times. And this is actually part 7 of that message. I've been breaking it up, going down through here. And tonight we'll look at verse 16 and verse number 17. But I'll, be, I'll begin reading back up in verse number 14. But before I read, I want to say that uh, I cannot think of a better passage of Scripture to be considering tonight than the text before us in these verses. For almost three months now on Sunday mornings, we have been searching the Scriptures in relation to a biblical basis for the local church and the importance of meeting together, worshiping together, and serving the Lord together. And everything we are trying to do in relation to church membership and all that goes with that is based upon the Word of God. Uh, as you think back over the past 13 Sundays, I hope that, with the exception of a few illustrations that I've used, that the bulk of what I have been preaching to you is from the Word of God. Uh, that's the important thing. This is, this is not something for us to come up with and invent on our own, but it must come from the Word of God. And the Word of God is so important, and it was for the Apostle Paul, and it was for Timothy. And it's important for me tonight as a pastor, as a Christian. It's important for me as a husband, as a father, we were just talking after service this morning, Brother Aaron and I, if you take, if you take the Word of God out of, out of life, if you remove the Word of God out of life, then you have no basis or authority to do anything. Everything, everything is based on what thus saith the Lord. And of course, we live in a culture that, has, that is doing that systematically. Removing Scripture. Churches are doing that. They're finding parts of Scripture they don't like, so they just either ignore it, redefine it, or simply just go away from it and defy it. But that's not the case with this great Apostle Paul and the young preacher Timothy. He's about to die. Paul is leaving the ministry to Timothy. Read with me again, follow with me in 2 Timothy 3, 14, and we'll focus tonight for a few moments on 16 and 17. Verse 14, 2 Timothy 3. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished 
unto all good works. Several verses totally focused on the importance of Scripture. We looked at verse 14 and 15 in our last message. Tonight we'll focus on verse 16 and verse number 17. Everything dies where the Word of God is not viewed as the inspired, inerrant, authoritative Word of God. When I was a young preacher in my first pastorate at Statesville, I went to a pastor's meeting of our local association one morning, and the guest preacher that day was a retired Presbyterian missionary. He was probably in his late 70s or early 80s, and I was in my 20s. And I remember him speaking that morning and telling us, now I don't know the current statistics, so I wouldn't venture to say how things are now, but he began to tell us about how missions at that time among the Presbyterian church had been on a decline. And he also said to us, he said, I can trace where the decline started. He said it started in our seminaries and it trickled down to our churches where men began to question the inerrancy of the Word of God. He said, I stood and told them as an experienced and aged missionary who had been on the field for decades, he said, if you take my Bible from me, I have no mission work to do. If you take and question the Word of God as to its authority and to its inspiration, he said, then I have no message to preach. And he said, we should decline in every area when we question the Word of God. That still holds true some four decades later. There are no exceptions. You take the Scripture out of a nation, the nation dies. You take Scripture out of states, and states die. You take Scripture out of community, and communities die. You take Scripture out of Christianity, and Christianity dies. Local churches die. Families die. And individuals die when they move away from the truth of the Word of God. Paul knew that, and that's why he is exhorting and charging and challenging Timothy as to his faithfulness and his continuation in the truth of the Word of God. What I'm saying tonight is any nation, any people, anywhere who turn their back on the inerrancy of Scripture and authority of Scripture, they turn their back on the future. And oddly enough, men who deny the Word of God and who deny the inerrancy of the Word of God, that same Word of God they deny is the Word of God that will condemn them to a Christless torment. In Psalm 128, verse 2, the psalmist said, speaking of God, he said, For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. In other words, what the psalmist is saying there, God's Word is as good as He is. Most of us grew up in hearing that old saying that a man ought to be as good as his word. Well, what the psalmist is saying is God is as good as His Word. In other words, His character is behind what He said. And Paul is conveying that message to the young preacher. His character, God's character. The psalmist said, you have magnified 
your saying. You have magnified what you said in your word in accordance with your name. In other words, you can't separate the two. Who God is and what He says is consistent. God is consistent in both. It's a very wonderful statement. One of my favorite passages and to study and to preach is in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. When I was able to go preach at different places and Bible conferences and different things in years gone by, I would often preach this message, this one verse out of, out of 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Here's what it says. For this cause also, thank we God, without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believed. You see what Paul is doing there? Do you hear him thanking God? He is thanking God that these young Thessalonian believers, when they heard Paul preach and when they read the word of God that Paul had declared unto them, they didn't stand back and say, you know, that, that Paul, he's a... He's a sharp dude. He, he's, a, he's a very intellectual kind of a, of a guy. They didn't come up to Paul and say, Paul, we appreciate how you see this. And Paul, we appreciate your opinion about this matter and about that matter. You're obviously a very enlightened and learned and experienced man. You've studied much, and we see your point a view here on this. That was not what they said. Paul said, I thank God that when I preached the Word and you heard the Word, that you received it as the Word of God and not as the Word of man. I hope that's the same testimony of us tonight, that when we read the Word of God and when we hear the Word of God preach, we understand it's not the preacher's Word. It's not my opinion about that. It is the Word of the living God that we have tonight. I don't normally do that, this, but we're just a little bit small here tonight or in number. But how many of you right now, on your lap, in your hands, uh, you're looking on on an on a iPad or a phone or whatever, how many of you have a copy or access to the Word of God? If you would just raise your hand. How many people in here right now have access to the Word of God? It's almost everybody in here. And let me ask you this, number two, how many of you have more than two copies of the Word of God? Not here tonight, but actually have more than two copies of the Word of God. How many of you have three? And there are some people still, thank you, there are some people still in the world that have yet to receive their first copy of it. We are so blessed tonight to have the Word of God. In the beginning, God said, and we have a record of it preserved for us tonight in the pages of what we call the Holy Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of the living God. As I said this morning, we take that for granted. And we take for granted uh, the, the beauty of what we have and the, and the enlightenment of what we have. Do you know why we know about Jesus tonight? Because of the Word of God. Do you know why, how and why we know we are sinners tonight? Because of the Word of God. Do you know that how we know how to be saved tonight is because of the Word of God? Do you know how we know there's a heaven and there's a hell? Because of the Word of God. So we're blessed tonight to have the Scriptures, the Word of the living God. I found the other, the other night, I found, did not realize this, you can actually, uh, and some of you have this, I have this on my phone anyway, where Scripture will actually read to you. Sometimes at night when I can't sleep 
I just open my phone up and, and just start reading a book and lay there and listen to the Word of, word of God. And uh, we're so blessed tonight to have it. And Paul is telling Timothy, I want you to continue in the things you've learned and the scriptures that you knew from a child that made you wise to salvation. I want you to continue in that. Now here tonight in verse 16 and 17, he is basically talking to Timothy about the effectiveness of the Word of God. It's one thing to have something, and it's another thing to have something that is effective, something that will work. So we're going to look at that tonight here for a few moments in verse 16 and verse 17. First of all, notice the word all in verse 16. Paul reminded Timothy that all Scripture is inspired of God. The word all there means the whole. It means all the writings of the pages of God's Word. All Scripture is inspired of God. Not part of it. But all of it, the sum of it, the whole, the entire, all the writings that we have preserved for us tonight, these are the Word of God. They're the Scriptures. But the key word here is the word inspiration. All Scripture is given. It's been given to us by God. It's been given to us not just by God, but inspired by the inspiration of God. This is not the same kind of inspiration that Charles Dickens had when he wrote, or other men were inspired to do paintings or inspired to do those things. No, this word is a beautiful word. It means to breathe or to blow. It means that God breathed upon this Bible. God breathed upon His Word. He put the very life in it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything was void and empty and God moved or brooded upon those things God created man and what did he do he breathed into man the very breath of life this book is a living book a living book it is the very breath of almighty God we believe tonight those of us who are saved that the word of God is inspired meaning it is God breathed that is God speaking to us what Paul is saying to Timothy came from the breath of God. What I'm saying to you tonight in reading to you from the pages of God's Word is coming from the very breath of God that's emphasized all throughout Scripture. Years ago, I attended a meeting where several highly educated preachers were debating the inerrancy of Scripture. For me as a preacher, that was the, that was the big issue and some of you will remember that. I know, Brother Calvin, you probably remember being at Mid-America in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. Inerrancy was the big debate among Baptists, whether the Word of God was the Word of God or not. Inerrancy. And that was, that was a big part of, of our ministry. I remember going to associational meetings in Southern Baptist associations where inerrancy was debated. I, I've, heard, I've heard country people debate inerrancy who didn't even know what they were debating, and they were debating it. And I was in a particular meeting and heard several educated preachers debating the inerrancy of Scripture. Each presented their case with brilliance. They defined Greek terms and quoted theologians on the subject. There was one preacher that was on that committee and on that, in that debate, very uneducated. He was, a, he was a friend of mine, and they asked him, what he thought about inerrancy and what he thought Paul was saying here in this text. And here's what he said. 
He said Paul is saying God's Word was breathed right out of the heart and the mouth of God. That's what he said. And brother, that brought a chorus of amens from those of us who believe that same way. You didn't necessarily have to have a Greek scholar to understand this. He said in that meeting, this is God speaking and it comes from the very breath of Almighty God. A.T. Robertson, Southern Baptist preacher and scholar once said, and I quote, One proof of the inspiration of the Bible, just one, is that it has withstood so much sorry preaching. End quote. Boy, that ought to tell you the Word of God's inspired because as sorry as men have preached it from time to time, Thank God it still stands tonight. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, and I quote, The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold on me, end quote. It's alive. That Bible is living. And thank God for it. I went through an airport terminal one time and had to, put my stuff, my briefcase through, and my Bible was, was there, and it went through. And I said to the guy, I said, did you not detect anything? And he said, no. And I started to say, well, you didn't pick up my sword. But I thought, I like living, you know. I'm not going to go that far. And it was a little tense. I just kind of let it go. But thank God this is, this is the sword of the Spirit. Thank God it's, it is the Word of the living God. Paul knew that Timothy would need that. We need that tonight. In an age where nothing, where nothing is absolute anymore. In an age when truth is literally mocked. In an age where news, news uh, uh, media and everything else, religious circles and everywhere else is standing and giving their own opinions about everything, everything imaginable. Thank God the Word speaks to every one of those issues tonight. And it is the only book that is God-breathed. Secondly, Paul not only said the Word of God is given by inspiration of God, but secondly, Paul asserted the usefulness of the Word of God when he says this in verse 16. It's not only given by inspiration of God, but this book is profitable. This book is profitable. It means it's useful, it's helpful, it's beneficial. Anybody got a book at your house that is totally useless? Anybody got a book anywhere in your library or any, a book anywhere in your house that is totally useless? You wonder why you bought it, you've read part of it or all of it, and it is totally useless. That can never be said about the Word of God. The Word of God is profitable. Preacher, how do you know it is? Because the Bible says it is. The Word of God is profitable. It's helpful. It's beneficial. Paul is telling Timothy, the Word of God yields advantageous returns. People are looking today and saying, uh, where can I put my money and get a good yield on it? And they're concerned about all of those things tonight. The Word of God is the best yield. It's the best, it's the best advantage. It's the best profit that there is in this world. And I'm not talking about monetary gain, but I'm talking about absolute truth that speaks to every issue and question that we have in life. This word is used, profitable is used here in two other places in the New Testament. 1 Timothy 4, 8 and Titus 3, 8. The prophet of Scripture, the prophet of Scripture attests to its divine inspiration. It's profitable because it is God-breathed. 
And although sometimes we look at obscure passages and, and we look at certain verses and we, we wonder what this means or how it fits in with the whole plan of God, we still realize as children of God that there is spiritual nourishment in every verse. There's spiritual nourishment in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Our Lord said that Himself. Man shall not live. He said this to our enemy. He said this to Satan. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is a profitable book. It's the only profitable, totally profitable book that you and I own. God's Word is the most practical and profitable book in the world. I recently watched a video where a man was doing a critique of, I think, 10 or 12 of the most damaging books that had ever been written in history. Most of them I had never heard of, but I did know some of them. I didn't know all of them, but I knew a few of them. I did recognize Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, which means my struggle. I remember that book. I remember Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species. That was on his list. That were, that's one of the dozen most 12 damaging books that was ever written. There was other, a few other books on there. One written by Margaret Sanger. She was the woman who laid the groundwork for what we call today Planned Parenthood. But I love what the man said when he said, The worst book ever written is any book that contradicts the Word of God. Amen. The, the worst book ever written is any book that contradicts the Word of God. Any book that contradicts the Bible is not profitable. The author may make $2.3 million in sales, but he's in the hole. He may make a billion dollars in distribution, but he's in the hole. Any book that contradicts this blessed book is not profitable. Thank God the Word of God is profitable. And Paul lists here areas in which it is profitable. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. There are low views of Scripture in our world today. People who have very low views of Scripture in our world today. I saw clips of uh, just a few months ago, I may have shared this with the church, of uh, students uh, up north at a college, I don't remember which particular college they were at now, and they were standing there passing out scriptures and also preaching, and they were taking their, the, the testaments and the Bibles they were giving them, and those students were tearing the pages out and eating the pages and telling those distributing them to, to hang around for a day or two and they'd see what they really thought of the Word of God. That was right here. Maybe it was Dartmouth. I don't remember which one it was now, but several places. And I'm thinking, oh boy, they're going to be our surgeons and lawyers and our politicians in the years to come. You see, there's profit in this book. That's the reason our world is full of fools. That's the reason our world is so foolish and ignorant tonight is because they abandon the truth of the Word of God. Paul says to Timothy, you continue, son, in the Word of God. And the reason I want you to continue in it, number one, is because all of it is God-breathed. And number two, all of it is profitable for you and for the ministry to which you are in. There's so many people that have low views of Scripture. They think the Bible is a collection of fairy tales from thousands of years ago. There's some people who believe parts of it are good and other parts are not good. 
When you run into somebody who believes that, let me, ask, let me just share this with you. Uh, ask them this. When you run into people who say the Word of God is not relevant and the Word of God is not true, just ask them this. Would you rather adopt the belief of 21st century people Remove 20 centuries from Jesus Christ. In other words, would you rather believe what you're hearing today out of the mouth of people who were born in the 20 and 21st century? Would you rather believe that, or would you rather believe men who walked and talked with Jesus Christ? I'll take those who walked and talked with Jesus. I'll take those who were there when He said the words. Those who seen Him, those who heard Him, and those who were there whenever... Our Lord declared and spoke these things in the precious Scripture. The Word is profitable. Thirdly, Paul stresses the direction or areas in which the Word is profitable. Let's look at these. He's saying it's profitable, number one, for doctrine or for teaching. There's no way to instruct believers in God's truth apart from the Word of God. You have to have doctrine. And this Bible is profitable in doctrine. Paul told Titus in Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. The Bible is profitable for doctrine. Number two, it's profitable for reproof. Reproof is the process by which something is brought to light, which it is examined carefully. And the word of God is profitable for that. You don't have to wonder if you sinned or not if you read the Bible. Brother, the Word of God will shed light on your sin. Paul writes again in his first letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.20, Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. This Bible is profitable for sound biblical teaching, and this Bible is profitable for reproof in which things are brought to light and examined carefully. Thirdly, it's profitable in the area of correction. Correction literally means to straighten again. In Greek literature, it was used as setting an object back up that had fallen down. Thank God the Word of God will help a man get up once he's down. It'll help correct our wrongs and get us back on the right path. Peter said in his letter, 1 Peter 2, 1-3, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This Word, this Scripture is profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for reproof, and it is profitable for correction. This Word will get us back up on our feet. Isn't it interesting that when I sin or you sin or we get slack on God, the first thing the enemy wants us to do is quit coming to the place where we hear the Word of God preached and taught. He wants us to get away from that. And the enemy knows that once you separate from the Word of God, there's no hope of, of correction. There's no hope of your life ever, be, ever being made right. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119.9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Jesus Himself said to His disciples in John 15.3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It's profitable for doctrine, for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's, pro it's profitable to bring things to light that are wrong. It's profitable for correction, to get us back up on our feet and right with God. But it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. 
God's Word provides the instruction or training that results in righteous living. Now take this book out of a nation, and you have a nation that lives unrighteous. Take this book out of a state, you have a state that lives unrighteous. Take this book out of a family, and you have a family that lives unrighteous. Take this book out of a church, and you have a church that lives unrighteous. Take this book out of your life, and you soon will be living unrighteously. Because this book is profitable for instruction in how to live righteous. It's the only place we find how to live. Preacher, I know how to live. Not unless you follow the Word of God. For the Word of God is profitable for instruction in right living. Could it be tonight that the reason we don't read this, could it be the reason that we don't like to hear it taught and preached, is because we're not that interested in living righteously? Boy, this Bible will teach us how to live righteously. But fourthly and finally tonight, as we look at verse 17, Paul tells us, he tells Timothy and us as well, that the design of God's Word is to equip this young preacher for everything that he needs in life. Have you ever bought something and they said, this is, this is all you'll need, everything that you will need? I bought an item just a couple weeks ago, saw it at a reduced price. It was about $45 lower than what I'd seen it anywhere. So I had Jana order it for me on uh, the, whatever that thing is, Amazon, because I don't know how to do all that. And so she ordered it, and I'm sitting there thinking, I have got a, this, this is a great deal, and it was. So when I opened it up and looked for my electrical adapter to plug it in to make it work, it says underneath there, in real teeny, teeny print, it says adapter not included. So I have to buy the adapter extra, which... It's $35, which brings it back up to the original price, and I'd have got a better deal if I pay in shipping. I'd have got a better deal to pay the full price to begin with. In other words, it didn't come with everything. It didn't have everything in it. It wasn't perfect. It didn't have everything. Paul is saying to Timothy, you stay with the Word of God because the Word of God will make you perfect, thoroughly furnished. You get everything you need, Timothy, in the Scriptures and in the Word of God of God. The word perfect there should be translated complete. God's Word will make you complete. God's Word will make you adequate. It'll make you the man, the preacher. It'll make you the believer that you need to be. It'll make you thoroughly furnished or fully equipped for whatever the Lord will call you to be or whatever the Word or whatever God will call you to do. You are fully equipped. I believe when God brings us into this world and when God saves us by His grace, He fully equips us. Now, we may not see all of that at the beginning, but brother, God gives us through His Word everything that we need. It will make Timothy thoroughly furnished or fully equipped through the precious Word of God. There's not a father in here tonight who can't be the father God wants you to be because the Word of God will fully equip you to do that. There's not a preacher in here tonight, but what he can be the preacher God wants him to be because the Word of God will equip him to do that. Our church tonight, this church, West Lenore, can be the church God would have us to be because the Word of God will, will furnish us. The Word of God will fully equip us to be what God 
would have us to be. But isn't it interesting that this very thing that God has given us is the very thing that people want the least of when we gather together on occasions like this tonight. May God change us from day to day. May God change us from hour to hour. May God change us from moment to moment by His glorious truth. Thank God for the precious Scripture. Thank God for His precious Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You tonight for Your Word. And Lord, I pray tonight that we as a congregation would feed upon that Word, that truth, that we would be directed by Your truth, not by our own preferences, but by Your precious book. I pray that, Lord, the same Holy Spirit that wrote this book would give us guidance and bring to our memory the truth of it and teach us, Lord, as You promised You would do when You came. And I pray You would help us, Lord, to always believe it. May this church always be a church where the inerrancy and the authority of the Word of God is believed and proclaimed. And Lord, help us not just to believe that, but help us to live it out. And I pray for every, every individual tonight that, Lord, You'd help us to believe that. I pray You'd raise up in this church young men. Lord, we have a lot of young men and young women across the hall over here tonight who are being taught the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, when you bring them to faith, that, Lord, they would believe and they would do what Paul told Timothy, that they would continue, Lord, in your truth. And help those of us on this side of the hallway tonight who have been down this road for many years, may we continue to believe and may we continue, Lord God, to look to your word and, Father, to proclaim to a lost world that this book is absolute truth. Help us tonight, we pray, to do that. Lord, it's going to take grace. It took grace for Timothy in a day of gainsayers, in a day of false teachers, in a day when men were out with their own opinions. Lord, it took grace to be able to stand, and it'll take grace for us to do that tonight. And I pray for those right here in this service who are facing opposition in their own families. Lord, some in their own families have loved ones who no longer believe the Scriptures I pray for them tonight, Lord, you would strengthen and help them. Save those that are lost tonight, those that have been in our services today that need Christ. I pray for their salvation. We just want to tell you again tonight, before we say the final amen, that we love you. And Father, we thank you for your precious word, that it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Help us to hide your word in our heart, that we might not sin against God. And may this word be our meditation day and night. Teach us, O Lord, from your truth and help us, as Paul told Timothy, to continue in the things we've learned and in the Scriptures. We praise you tonight. Watch over us through this week and meet with us, Lord, on the next Lord's Day. And as we go our separate ways tonight, may we be faithful witnesses to our Savior and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Encourage the discouraged. I pray you'd strengthen, give health and, and Lord, encouragement to the sick and grieving tonight. And bind our hearts together in your love. And we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.